Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Press podcast, where we help you take a next step. Today we're sitting with hymn number 10 in the One From Death I'm Free hymn journal for Holy Week from Next Step Press. That song is This Dust by Kip Fox, and we've got Brendan Norp as our special guest. You'll hear me pray, and you'll hear Brendan read the scripture for today. You might want to be coloring the artwork on page 99 while you listen. And then I'll also read the devotion on page 102 as we discuss 1 Corinthians 15 and what that means for our lives and listen to Kip Fox's song with that in mind. Thanks for joining us today on this podcast. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. So, hey, I am still here sheltering in place in Brighton, Michigan. It is April 15th, which should have been tax day, but because of the coronavirus, wasn't. And uh, it's snowing outside in Brighton, Michigan right now, which is kind of unfortunate. But we're with Brendan Norp. Brendan, where in the world are you today? I am in St. Louis, Missouri, where it is sunny and breezy. Uh, It's going to be mid-50s today. Bearable. Awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, man, thanks Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I know you were a big help in this hymn journal. I called you up and I said, hey, man, I, I need my, I, I got a go-to person. I need some help. Uh, would you explain to the people listening what exactly you did with this hymn journal? Sure. Yeah, um, I was excited to be a part of this. I helped put together the hymn graphics that you see in the book, so the notation with the lyrics on on staves. And uh, I created all that here at home, and uh, we worked back and forth just to get it the sizing and the layout and the look that we wanted, and uh, I think we got something really good in the end. Yeah, it's great to be able to have the music in here. The hymn journal wouldn't be the same if it didn't have some of the music as well. And I know taking some of Kip Fox's music and making it kind of fit that feel of a hymn was a little bit challenge at times. I'm just glad to work with you on that. Yeah, it's always something when you're um, working with a a more modern um, worship song because a lot of times you'll hear it once and you can sing it back without any hesitation. But as soon as you actually look at the music notation, it it almost becomes more confusing than just, here's how this goes, listen to it and sing it back. So part of it was uh, adapting that to the format so that it had a little bit more of a look like you would see in a hymnal and not look so intimidating. Well, you did a really good job with that. The the hymns look great and the music is easy to read. Thanks so much for that. Hey, uh, I didn't mention in the intro, I didn't give people your title or position. So would you give that to us, please? Yeah, I'm officially called the Director for the Worship Arts at Concordia Lutheran Church in Kirkwood. And so I oversee all of the uh, various services at the church, help with worship planning and do a lot of rehearsing, working with musicians and, uh, and leading people. Man, this uh, this coronavirus must have just been crazy then for you in that position of working with musicians and trying to get worship services uh, out the door and online and all kinds of things. What what was Lent and Holy Week like for you? It was really busy. In fact, a month ago when I realized we wouldn't have services, there was this little part of me that thought, oh, finally, it's going to be an Easter where things aren't as busy as usual. Um, (laughs) Apparently, God got the last laugh on that because uh, to make a a video like we're doing, um, we're not live streaming. We're just preparing content, message, and stuff in advance and then then releasing it on, on a particular day. So, to do three of those videos uh, on the same week uh, was a whole lot of work, and it, it 
ended up being even more because it was Easter and you're trying to think of how can I make this experience a little bit yeah. extra special this week. And so we did some things where I had musicians uh, share with me uh, recordings of them singing. I invited the whole congregation to record themselves singing I Know My Redeemer Lives, along with a, a recording I sent them of the organ. And then I also have my worship team uh, individually video themselves performing King of Kings by Hillsong and then put that all together wow. into a video. And uh, it takes, you know, for every minute of video you see, there's usually like two hours of work behind that. So <laughs> just the nature of the beast. But the cool, the, yeah. the cool part, yeah. the cool part of it is, is that um, first of all, seeing, seeing those musicians and hearing that, that choir sing was a, just a great reminder of what I love most about my work, which is actually the people I get to do ministry with. Mm -hmm. And what I found the most common comment I received after we released that video was people's joy in seeing the faces of the musicians as they were singing and playing or hearing the voices of mm. the choir. Because uh, in our in our separation, uh, that's like a common familiar thing of what it means when we come and gather for worship at, at Concordia or for any church. And so I was. Mm. it wasn't actually my intended um, top priority. I don't know if I had that on my radar, but as I saw it finally come together, I realized that it was really the most powerful part of it was just the sense of community that seeing this group of people together uh, kind of translated over the internet, which was amazing and awesome. God be praised. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, this this sense of community, that sense of community is really important. Uh, at Next Step Press, we like to say we follow Jesus better when we follow him together. And so finding a way to have a community, even online in this time, has been really important. So thanks for joining us today to be a part of our Next Step community. Absolutely. It's really important to me. Thanks, man. Hey, let's say a word of prayer before we dig into the scripture. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us today. Will you please send out your Holy Spirit, that spirit that was with you there in the garden and ministered to you? Would you please have that spirit placed on our hearts and our lips, that Abba Father prayer there in the garden? Lord, as you took our sins to the cross, as you committed yourself into your Father's hands, as you declared it is finished, may we, may we also claim that, that relationship with the Father where we can commit into his care and his keeping our days, our times, our lives, our families, this strange season we're living in. And even as you are risen from the dead, live and reign to all eternity, will you please create in us new resurrection life. Be present in the midst of your word according to your promise. And as you did for those Emmaus Road disciples, will you open our hearts and, and give us understanding of your scripture that we might see you more clearly. Thanks for being with us today, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the reading for this particular uh, song is selected verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it reads as follows. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. 
But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ is risen. He is risen, risen indeed. indeed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, as you read that, those Easter verses, Brandon, was there anything that kind of especially came to the fore for you this time through? Yeah, I'm always struck by this little snippet in there um, where he says the Christ has died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and raised. You know, it, from a, I guess from a, script, a historical scriptural look, it's, it's one of our, our first creeds of faith. You know, mm, it predates mm, mm. the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed, obviously. It's, it's like, it's the summary of the gospel truth right there, um, written by Paul in these early days. Um, and so I'm always, I'm always just struck by those words and just such a concise statement, you know, when it all boils down at the end of the days, this is what we, we hold on to. The second half of the verses you chose there, it's Paul, like he's just laying out these like negative and frankly depressing scenarios. <laughs> like <laughs> if this didn't happen, you're useless, you're lost, yeah. you yeah. should be pitied. Yeah. And, you know, it, but he goes to all these extremes, like he takes it there to the <laughs> completely darkest place because yeah. he returns to this contention that he has been in fact raised and... Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like when you that little creed that he throws in there, that retelling of of the gospel truth is something we just forget so easily. And uh, in light of all those potential negative and depressing realities, Paul says, "But this is what I'm telling you is is the truth." Yeah, that the truth of that profession of faith, the the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead, uh, that's been the, at the core of of this following Jesus from the very very beginning. I remember, uh, I don't think I read the whole thing, but I think I still have it somewhere. A one of those big thick books, you know, like those thick books that have got a maybe a six inch spine, and it's uh, <laughs> by a guy, a guy by the name of Hurtado, and it's called the Lord Jesus Christ. But the subtitle is the worship of Jesus in the earliest church or by the earliest Christians or something like that. And he kind of goes through, and and from a historical perspective, not from a like biblical theology perspective, but there's been this idea that's kind of crept in after the fact that, you know, maybe it wasn't until after the church became an official Roman religion that that people started saying Jesus must have risen from the dead or, you know, that that the, the truth of the physical bodily resurrection has kind of come under question as people have looked back in Scripture and tried to make sense of it apart from faith in Jesus. And apart from faith in Jesus, it just doesn't make sense. So I get where they're coming from, but but Hurtado goes back and, and does the legwork historically to prove that. I mean, you can say whatever you want about whether he did or not, but you can't say that his earliest followers didn't think he physically rose from the dead. This is the capstone of this faith. You can believe it or not believe it, but you can't say the resurrection of Jesus isn't central to this faith. So I think that's kind of what you were saying, Brendan. Is this Paul is putting it on the line, and this is it in a nutshell, man. This is his faith that he's that he's received, and now it's what he passes on as of first importance: the physical resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You know, um, <clears throat> that also reminded me of being a kid up at St. Paul Lutheran Church. Church in Flint, Michigan, and and in the pew with my mom and dad, and uh, complaining to my mom when we said the creed, because we said like according to the scripture. And in my young mind, I thought like we were saying, you know, Jesus, and on the third day he rose again. You know, according to the scripture, like the Bible says that. I'm not sure if I believe it or not. Uh, so that was a fun conversation to have with my mom, to where she helped me understand that it was saying in accordance with, like the Bible said it and it's true, not like. 
you know, here's my source. I'm not sure if it's reliable or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's interesting, too, because like at this time of the year, you get flooded with news articles on the resurrection, of course, right? It's mm-hmm. like one of the two times of the year we get all these Bible things. And yeah. uh, and I just read one the other day. It was biblical historians talking. And um, one of them, who's not a Christian, but she made the case that, you, like you said, you can't deny whatever else you think that what we have written about these um, apostles post-resurrection is that they, in fact, did believe that, and and mm. uh, and that's what gave birth to the church and formed their actions. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like this retroactive truth. Like mm. what whatever you think happened, they believed this is what happened, and so that that's really interesting. Gives some really credibility to the um, what would cause these uh, people to be so convinced, you know. Absolutely. And and I don't think we're invited to hang our hats or, or put our trust in the fact that these first eyewitnesses believed it. I, we're invited to make that faith our own. And the faith yes. comes through the proclamation, not, not just like the historical evidence. But still, it's kind of nice to know that the historical evidence also kind of confirms what Paul is saying. If you don't got Jesus raised, you just don't got Jesus. So right. let me uh, flip that, f- turn the page here to page 102, and I'd like to read the devotion for that goes with this hymn, just kind of as it's written in, in the chapter here. So this kind of, again, takes it from the, the, the truth of Scripture that's been true and Paul believed since the first century, and, and now kind of trying to bring it home a little bit in our daily lives. This devotion, uh, the quote is from Kip Fox's song. It's called, Death is All Around Us. In a culture where the dying are hermetically sealed off from the rest of our experience, I find death easy to forget at times. And then there are times when death feels relentless, and the reminders of my own mortality refuse to be ignored. I've watched my kids grow up with death. In a very short time, my children went from never having been to a funeral to grieving the death of two great-grandparents, a grandpa, a youth worker, and a high school friend, for starters. My children have learned death is all around us. And we are not afraid. So much loss in a short time meant that more than one of our kids had some separation anxiety. Every time we part, one of my teenagers still tells me that she loves me and that Jesus loves me, even if she's just going to bed. Because in her words, you never know which time will be the last. It breaks my heart that her experience has led her to think like that. And it gives me such joy and peace to know that the last thing she wants to say to me whenever that last time comes is this. I love you, Daddy. And Jesus loves you too. Death is all around us. We are not afraid. Written is the story. Empty is the grave. At this point in our podcast, we usually cut to the first verse of the hymn or something like that. But today, I think we're going to reserve that Kip Fox song for the very end of the podcast so we get to hear it all the way through. 
because that that last refrain, death is all around us, we are not afraid, written is the story, empty is the grave, comes right at the very end of the song. I'd like to play it all the way through for you. So, Brendan, you know that Kip Fox song you've used in worship. I happen to know you used it in worship on Ash Wednesday this year. Uh, what's, what's your history with this Kip Fox song? Um, it's loved by my congregation. I, I hmm. remember hearing it um, at a Worship Arts Leadership Institute conference. They're called WALL-E. Uh, hmm. Back at the very first conference um, they had, as far as I know, their, their big summit, um, I, I believe it was in Texas, and we had a worship service that night, and uh, they sang this song during communion. And after the service, I went up to one of the folks in the band, and I said, you know, that song, that was amazing. Where did that come from? And he's like, oh, Kip over there wrote it. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Like, I just had never heard it before, but, you know, I found myself um, able to sing with it within just a few lines of the mm-hmm. song starting. So it checked off this box right away, like, this works. And uh, I was just really struck by the words. Um, and, and the reason being is that the lyrics, uh, they really tell it like it is. And I appreciate having songs in the repertoire. I think we need, hmm. I think we need hmm. to have a, a big box of experiences to pull from when we, when we put songs on people's lips. And so mm-hmm. this one really speaks to me on, on a level that many songs don't broach this topic. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's that's really valuable for me. And uh, Kip actually sent me a demo of the song that he had just, you know, recorded with a little drum loop track he made and a little guitar fill line in between the thing. And I think even one of the lyrics uh, changed by the time the actual <laughs> song came out. You know, there was a line where he must have just liked a different line better, but uh-huh. um, started learning it right away. And um and the first time I did it, uh, the bass player in my band came up and he said something like, that was the most powerful 17 words I've ever sung. 16 mm. or 17. I don't, I don't know the exact number of words in the final <laughs> tag there. But, but, he, but he was right. You know, he was like, sort of like you kind of go back to that reading I just did, that, that sort of um, very concise scriptural nugget of this is the truth of the resurrection, this is the core of what we believe. Like that little four lines, um, that little poem right there um, yeah. in and of itself is, there is so much behind those words. It's just, you know, I always like it when, when, when you can have this uh, like economy of word usage. You don't have to say too many words to convey a lot of message, right? And so yeah. I feel like that little refrain um, captures that really, really well. Yeah, and I, I like that compact phrase Kip gives it to us at the end of the song. There's been a lot of water under the bridge already. Uh, at one point earlier in the music, it sounds like he's going to go there, and then he chooses not to. And then once he puts it out there for us, he gives us the opportunity to sit with it and, and meditate on it and, and sing through it several times in a row. So you put the words in your mouth, and you get to chew on them, and you get to say them again and again and, and kind of seep in that promise. Bonhoeffer talks about meditating that way in the Word, too, saying it out loud so you can hear it and speak speak it and taste it, those words that we taste and see how how good God is. And this promise, death is all around us, we are not afraid, written is the story, empty is the grave. Yeah, it's a really powerful tool. And it's, it's got, it's, you know, it, it reminds me of the music of Taze, you know, the, the oh, yeah. out, of, out of France, where there's, mm-hmm. you know, simple scriptural lines, like, 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom or yeah, yeah. praise him, all you people um, in mm-hmm. Latin. And, and, you know, you say it once and it's like, okay, I said it once. And then you say it again. And then eventually uh, I, you actually find yourself <laughs> to a point where you're saying the words, but you're actually understanding the words in a way that you didn't initially do that. And so yeah. there really is like, I think properly used with the right line and the right melody and the right text um, that repetition is really is really valuable, and I think like the like you said about the placement of that <clears throat> final tag is such a part of what makes the song great because you get this like these lines in the verses, um, you know, I, I take what I want and I make it a need. Like who doesn't identify with mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. right? Um, he talks about like Christ comes to redeem all that we've undone. Like I undo things all the time, right? It's like, it's my nature. I am a destroyer of good things, it seems like. And so, or riddle with the world's disease. I mean, this talk of like sin, it it is ever present, right? It's not like I just take a pill and I'm done with sin. Uh, it's, 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 It's there. And then you get this mercy reigns on all our shame and washes all the stain away. Like this is the sort of the the truth after knowing and recognizing all of this mm. confessional language, mm. right? And so that in itself could have been an ending of a song right there, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. And so then you get this little instrumental part in the recording and just kind of like the song kind of sits and then the whole thing just settles back down to just just the voice, right? And the yeah. chord changes. And and then we, we in light of all that, knowing that, we are riddled with the disease and we break things all the time, but God's mercy reigns. He washes all that sin and stain away. In light of all those things, here's what we know. Death is all around us. We are not afraid. And to me, I mean, I think every one of us fears death. It's scary. It's it's usually ugly and it can be hard. And I personally have these moments where I feel sad about things I'll miss in other mm. people's lives, or I feel sad about not being here for those that that depend on me, you know? Mm. And mm. so it's like, that's a reality. All of us have this narrative in our head. And like that statement from Paul, like this lyric from Kip, you know, we have, we have to remind ourselves sometimes like, oh yeah, there's a bigger perspective out there yeah. that uh, we need to, we need to hear again and again. Yeah, thanks for that, Brendan. I think uh, death is not something we like to think about, and we do a really good job of hiding from it, I think especially in our culture. Uh, it's we've, we've got more graphic death in our uh, entertainment media now than we ever have, and yet the actual people actually dying, uh, that tends to happen behind closed doors. And when you're in a time like COVID-19 and, and death seems very real, uh, even when it's happening still, again, you know, in isolation or, or outside of that community we were talking about earlier, uh, people dying in quarantine, it gets you thinking about your own mortality and the fact that if this faith that we share, if this Jesus that we follow uh, is kind of only good for what we have right now in front of us, he's really not good for anything at all. So the truth that we're wrapped up into something bigger and something eternal is is such good news. Uh, even in the face of our own confusion or doubt or grief, I love the Emmaus Road disciples. They're so confused. They're so full of grief. They are, they've even heard rumors of the resurrection and they still can't quite wrap their minds around it. They're just confused by it. Um, and I think 
I think that's okay. I think if that's where any of us are today, that's okay. Because what Jesus does for the Emmaus Road disciples, he does for us. He shows up in the midst of their conversation. He says, what are you guys talking about? He says, well, and I walk with you for a little ways. And then it's the presence of Jesus walking with them that opens up the scripture. According to the scriptures, he opens mm-hmm. up the Old Testament for them and shows them it's been there all along, guys. And, and, and Jesus now, as in the human being, Jesus resurrected from the dead, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And I love the fact that those Emmaus disciples get right back up from the table and run back to Jerusalem where they find Peter and the 12 up in the room just talking about how Jesus appeared to Peter, and they, they, they can't believe it must be happening. And the Emmaus Road disciples share with these other people what they had seen on the road. And while they were still talking, Jesus showed up in their midst and said, peace be with you. It's the conversing of friends both on the road and at the table and back in Jerusalem in a room full of scared people. It's in the conversation of the saints that Jesus shows up and is present uh, to give us his resurrection life. I just think that's a beautiful thing. It is. Amen. Gosh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, I remember it was, it might have been my very first Easter when I was a pastor at St. Luke in Ann Arbor. And uh, the person who was supposed to be my primary staff partner, uh, he was the youth guy. He'd been there forever and had helped lead that congregation through a vacancy. Uh, His name was Byron Porish. He had been uh, diagnosed just uh, about a month after I was installed there with a brain tumor. And we got more and more information about that tumor as uh, winter turned into spring. And by the time we got to Easter, it was pretty clear that Byron was was walking towards uh, his own mortality quicker than any of us wanted to. And uh, this Kip Fox song actually was I, I took the Easter text that Easter Sunday and dealt with the reality that the whole congregation was staring at this beloved person that had served them for so many years and, and helped raise their kids and had given them the gospel and given them leadership when, when we didn't have direction and, and had been a, a core part of the identity of that congregation. And we knew he was dying. And so in the face of that experience for the whole church, we were able to celebrate Easter with Kip Fox's lyrics here on our lips. Death is all around us. We are not afraid. Written is the story. Empty is the grave. And that was a real blessing to our church too. It's such a difference when it's real for you, you know. I mean, mm. you can you can look at things from a distance, and and they just seem like nice things to say. But when you're in the moment, or when it's when you're in the face of it, you know, yeah. and you see the reality of it, that's when you know you draw strength from songs like this. You draw strength from the scripture. You have Jesus walking alongside of you because you are you're being attentive to mm. to Him. You know, uh, Brendan, I got to ask Kip Fox a couple questions about this song back when I I interviewed him for our second podcast. So let me share with the folks some of what Kip said when I asked him about this song. Kip, thanks for joining us back here at Next Step Press as we look at this dust. So I've got the text of the hymn in front of us. It's on page 103. And I was just looking at some of the language. We talked about this last time, about the language that you use. And I was wondering if you'd share a little bit more about the way you put together the lyrics on this dust. You know what? This one actually started with the bridge. So uh, mm. sort of that, that ending that ending refrain. It's actually at a uh, songwriting conference, a Lutheran songwriting conference years ago. 
I was sitting there listening to lots of other folks do their thing. And I, I had, uh, this is one of the first songs that I started writing as a worship song. I had written a bunch of songs outside of the church and for some reason hadn't made that connection, even though I had been a, a worship leader. So this, I had huh. made the decision to, uh, to write songs for the church. And this is very shortly after that. Hmm. Uh, this was really my, my first, maybe second song. So anyway, the death is all around us. We are not afraid. Written is the story. Empty is the grave, which I know is, is maybe the, the part, the sort of favorite part for people in, in the feedback that I get. But that's where it started. For me, because this was kind of my, in my mind, my, the first worship song uh, that I wanted to write uh, in my new sort of passion to do it, I, I kind of asked myself the question, what is the most important thing? What what is the most important message that I could possibly relay in a song about what Jesus means to me? And to me, this victory over death was clearly and obviously the essential part of, hmm. of our, our faith. But to me, it was, it was just because I was starting uh, with this first song, I, I wanted to just say, what is the first thing I want people to know? Yeah. So it started there, and then uh, once again, I think just kind of my my Lutheran heritage always leads me to a confession of sin, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, I, I went straight to the verse from there. You chose some very unique words here again. I'm riddled with the world's disease, or or this this oh what senseless love, redeeming all that we've undone. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking when you use some of that kind of creative language. It's hard to explain why these these phrases, these words, sort of come out of my head. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that the the phrase "Oh, what senseless love!" I think that senseless word came out of a, to me, an emotional response to mm. to what God has done. And even the word "Oh" there um, is to me sort of an emoting of an expression that that you just can't put your arms around. You know, which we see in the Psalms a lot. In terms of redeeming all that we've undone, obviously, I could have just put redeeming all that we have done mm-hmm. uh, and it's the same amount of syllables. And so I definitely actually thought a lot about that verse. And I think I had actually had my publisher at the time ask me about that line. Hmm. Uh, so it was definitely a conscious choice to say it in that way. Hmm. We've undone this, uh, this perfect relationship, this, yeah. this beautiful creation. So, you know, you want there to be a richness to your lyrics, but you also want to bring people with you. And so there's always a danger of being so coy or so sort Mm -hmm. of clever that you're just being clever. You're not really uh, helping people. And so, you know, the danger in that line, honestly, can be that it, it it can go both ways. It can take you out of that expression out of that response to God um, through song and into sort of that intellectual thought process of, wait, what, what just happened? Mm-hmm. It is just kind of always a, a balancing act because you want there to be that, that richness, but we still need understanding. We, we need a common vocabulary that people can understand when we write songs today and in any, in any era, any age, if you're, if you're moving too far away from that, uh, it distracts. If you hit it, hit it right, it works great.
Lord, have mercy on me. I am riddled with the world's disease. Taking what I want and turning it into
that was singer-songwriter Kip Fox giving us some of his insight into that song. And I'm here with Brendan Norp from down in Concordia in Kirkwood, Missouri. Brendan, I love talking to you, man. I love every chance we get to spend time together. Uh, and before we wrap up, is there a, a, a next step that you feel Jesus might be inviting you into? Yeah, you know, honestly, the experience of being home for over a month now and not <clears throat> having church as I know it uh, has really made me think a lot about what Jesus is calling me to do when we do go back. Because I don't think we go, we don't go back to the same thing we left. I think um, we have we have been changed. <laughs> we have learned some things during this experience. We've we've tried to communicate and worship with people in new ways. I've discovered things like when you do record services, people share them with their friends. And we've yeah, never done awesome. that at Concordia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm realizing uh, more than ever the things I'm missing most, you know, which mm. is that collaboration with people. So I, it, I, think, I think I'm being called to reevaluate what does it actually really mean mm. Um, mm. in a nuts and bolts kind of way, like just at the, at the very root of the whole thing. What does it mean to be a, a worship minister in a church and and you know, I feel like right now I'm I'm bearing a real responsibility for being this person who is is taking um, content and putting it together and getting it to people, right? And so that they're mm-hmm. they're experiencing this sense of community when they don't have this community, and it's just really made me think. Uh, that there's going to have to be some changes, and in good ways, not have to be like we're forced to necessarily, but that, but we're being called as ministers uh, in mm. congregations to um, to just be really attentive and be listening to what is that next thing. I do not know what it is, yeah. but I know it's. I know that we're being called to grow from this experience of being apart. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, mm-hmm. and I think. Jesus probably wants to lead his church to learn again, maybe be renewed in what hmm. what is that first importance, right? Because we fill our time and our energy sometimes with some things that maybe just aren't as important in the big picture of things. So yeah. I think that there's yeah. there's something in that word for all all church workers and pastors right now as they think about what ministry looks like, that scripture invites us to just hear again what is of first importance. Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, that, that was the same verse that kind of was stirring up in me in terms of promise as well, the, the, the passing it on. What I received, I pass on, passed on to you. And that, uh, what, what's evident there in Paul's life and ministry, that he received it, but then he also passed it on. That kind of shaped my next step too. I, in the devotion, I wrote a little bit about my, my daughter, one of my daughters who still, still every night says, you know, good night, and I love you, and Jesus loves you. And uh, I think my next step is simply going to be thinking of how you know, I received that faith from from my parents and from my the people in my life as I grew up, and I get to see that being passed on to her and in her faith. And tonight, when she says that, I'm going to give her a big hug and and tell make sure I tell her the same thing. Yeah, I quite honestly, sometimes I'm like, yeah, okay, good night. Like <laughs> you're supposed to be in bed 20 minutes ago. Quit giving me this Jesus stuff. Get upstairs and get to bed. You stalling. <laughs> uh, but tonight, for sure, I will give her a big hug and a kiss and and tell her the same thing. So. That's awesome. That's been one of the blessings of this time at Shelter at Home, too, is uh, we've been forced to spend a lot of time together as a family. And 
it's been really good. That's been a real blessing. That's so, awesome. Hey, Brendan, thanks, man. I really I appreciate you. God bless your ministry. And as you move forward, uh, keeping your eyes on what, what is of first importance, God bless your ministry there at Concordia. Thanks, Justin, and thanks for all your work on this project and the ministry that you're doing through your Next Steps Press. It's awesome. That was Brendan Norp from Concordia in Kirkwood. He helped put all the music together for the When From Death I'm Free hymn journal. You also heard from Kip Fox, the singer-songwriter who put together that song. You can find more of Kip Fox's music at kipfox.com. And I'll share a link to the Easter service that Brendan referenced, and I'll even give you my sermon from that Easter so many years ago where I used Kip Fox's song to frame my sermon. Thanks for being with us here in the Next Step Press. This podcast, like all of them, are made possible in part by the generous donations of patrons. Patrons are people who want to commit to Next Step Press in some small amount every month so that this kind of content can go out regularly. Thank you for your support. Patrons make it possible. Thanks for joining us today. And as you go, remember what's of first importance, that Jesus is walking with you. Your resurrected Lord is there right beside you, no matter how confused or how full of grief or how much doubt you have in your life. Jesus is walking with you. And as you talk about him in the presence of other followers of Jesus, he himself becomes present for you to strengthen your faith and guide you to take a next step. Thanks for being with us today. We'll see you next time on The Next Step.